Hello, I'm Jeremy Eden. I'm Dan Eden. And I'm Kevin Kirchman. And this is 90 Under 90. 90 movies. Under 90 minutes. Okay, today on our show, continuing our episodes and, and still distancing, we're talking about, uh, clocking in at 83 minutes, we're talking about 1991's Career Opportunities, directed by Brian Gordon, written by John Hughes, one Edmund Dante himself. Yes. Um, I think I think he wanted this one to be a, an Edward Dante movie, but they yeah. denied it. Yeah, he, he, uh, we, we, he, um... Probably rightfully wanted to take his name off of this movie. Um, and they were like, no, that's all we have going for this movie. <laughs> like, so, I, so I'm taking it you weren't a fan. Uh, no, I can't say that. Uh, spoiler alert. I can't say that I f- found me that entertaining. I, I was quite bored and only only let one time in this entire movie at something that I'm fairly certain probably wasn't in the script, but was more of an actor choice. Hmm. But to find out what that is. That's just me. Uh, it was okay. I I don't know. Uh, it had its moments. I I didn't know it was a John Hughes script because I didn't uh I didn't see the credits at the beginning. I saw it after and it surprised me. So I watched the whole movie. And then afterwards, I realized it was a John Hughes movie. And then you dig a little bit deeper and you find out some other things. But uh, what's your history with the movie, Kev? So there's a couple things. Our mutual friend Neil Neil Fisher. Uh-huh. is like a fanatic for this movie probably you know jennifer connelly she looks good it's like yeah. 90s romp um <laughs> so he's been like begging me to watch it and for us to watch it at, at our movie club and we just keep putting it off and putting it off and it never gets the votes um but i was just like hey i see it's under 90 minutes so why don't we why don't i use that as an excuse to watch the movie which i seem to continue to put off yeah. um that and then um, I don't know if you ever heard of a band called The Midnight. It's like no. a, a, their current day, but it's like 80s new wave music. But people always make montages to their songs and upload YouTube videos. And one of them was from this movie. Uh-huh. Um, just kind of like romantic 80s synth wave music using this movie as the background montage. Um, so there's I have quite a bit of history with it, surprisingly. Um and then I've always wanted to see it, so I was I was glad to finally watch it. I just watched it this morning. Cool. I'll be honest. I mean, I looked at all of the elements to the movie, and I saw, you know, two young people uh, in a Target overnight alone, two armed robbers, written by John Hughes. I kind of was hoping for Home Alone in a Target. Right. <laughs> um, but but uh, no, I didn't get that. I was a little depressed when I was like, oh, this is... This is not going the way that I would I was hoping it would. Yeah. That's that's what's kind of funny about this. When you look at the German title, it makes an illusion that it's Kevin's cousin, McAllister. Oh, really? I swear. <laughs> I, I believe in Germany it's marketed as like it's in the Hughes verse and he is related to Kevin McAllister. Interesting. Like that's how they decided to market the movie. <laughs> Home yeah. Alone 3 style. Uh-huh. But I guess it makes sense. Like, yeah. it takes place in Illinois. 
We don't know specifically what town, so it's probably the made-up one, right? Probably, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But what's like? I never knew this movie existed, even though you know I paid attention somewhat to John Hughes. This is like a hidden John Hughes movie, but also, like, it's just fucking weird. It's like a big ad for Target, mm-hmm. kind of, and a little bit. And also, how is Frank Whaley a lead in in anything? <laughs> like, it's it's yeah. strange. his first opportunity. I was I was looking. It was at a his... career opportunity. Yeah. I was looking at his filmography and I was like, okay, he's in Pulp Fiction. I don't recall who he is at all. In like, I don't remember his character in it. Um, oh, he's Brett. <laughs> remember it vividly. I don't that recall. I'm on Brett. Oh, okay, that Brett. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So there's that, and then there's a lot of other things that I'm just like, I don't know what this is. Is is in Gotham for an episode? Maybe I kind of remember seeing that because I actually uh, watched that show. He's a good character actor. Like he popped up. Like, he pops up in weird things like Vacancy. Remember that movie with I Luke Wilson, like the yeah. snuff film one. He's that like our... hotel man. That's what he does. Like that's what is really makes me scratch my head. Is okay. It's 1991. We want him to be our lead. He's like five six. His hair is like a foot of that, and it's got a nice curl. Like he's got a, he's got a Superman spit curl going. It's it's yeah. beautiful. He's got a a smart mouth. And he's, he's like a fucking cartoon character. In I, this. I I felt like this was all right. I'll I'll come out and say it. like I like this movie. Um, uh, like I like these kinds of movies where there's like no stakes, there's no frills yeah. to it, there's no like minimal conflict. Um, but I felt like in in the Hughes verse, it is low tier Hughes, right? So it's not like yeah. Breakfast Club and those types of things. But I felt like it was like Ferris Bueller light. You know, <laughs> like he was trying to be Ferris Bueller with the way he would quip yeah. and. The talking and that that kind of thing. He's um, like, yeah. yeah, he's totally like Ferris Bueller's like loser cousin that yeah. like nobody like. He's the opposite. Yeah. So, so it's more like so. Was his name Jim? Jim or Jim? Jim, Jim, yeah. Jim Dodge goes to school with Ferris Bueller. He's like, I want to be like that guy. Yes. And uh, and so that's how he emulates the rest of. And his cousin is Kevin McAllister. Yeah. 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 They're all yeah. related. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's like. To me, he's got like a, a like a bad Woody Allen kind of energy to him. Like he's kind of neurotic at times, and the way that he kind of talks to himself was, uh, I don't know. I just got shades of Woody Allen, and I, mm. and I didn't care for it. Got it. Uh, but yeah, like, I I agree with you. Like, why is this guy a lead? Like, yeah, I don't know. But and like, just uh, the whole the whole thing takes place in a Target, and that's to me is he's like, how did I not know this existed? <laughs> I tend I like clerks. I like it's no mystery if you listen to the show. I like convenience stores, and this one is the, it's the whole prime setting is at a store. I I don't know how it slipped by me, but uh, I'm glad I watched this. I didn't completely like it. I mean, kind of guess I'm in the middle, so mm-hmm. I guess we can get into it. Yeah, yeah. I get this confused with uh, Opportunity Knox, which came out a year previous with Dana Carvey. That's the Oof. ones I get confused. Oh. But. Anyway, uh, you get the Universal logo, and when they were going through that 75th anniversary where they show all four of them. Oh my yeah. god, I thought it was a joke. <laughs> it's just it's the the same. I mean, I remember seeing it in Problem Child, so like 1991. There was a lot of these. Well, every movie that Universal released had this. They I always liked show it. off them logos. I liked seeing it. I wish that more uh, studios would do anniversary logos like that. Mm. Personally. 
Um, then we get some snapshots, kind of like Texas Chainsaw of the aftermath of what appears to be a, some sort of armed robbery. There's some corpses. They're covered in blood. There's some bullet holes. There's destruction. It looks like a store robbery of some kind, like a convenience store. And uh, that's when we meet Frank Whaley, who gives his take on the whole thing. And what does he say? He He gives his take. He's talking about how he's seen this type of thing in before because he's you know connected with the fbi so this wasn't this wasn't a murder this was a mob hit or like a mafia hit and he's going in this whole monologue and you kind of get this idea that he's just this smart talking and you don't know at the beginning of the movie what unless you know what the movie's about like who this guy is and he's going to work at target so you're like oh is this guy like some private detective or does he work for the fbi or something because that's what he's trying to put out there right he uh, apparently spent some time with major crimes with the FBI, so he likes to, he's flexing that a little bit. We don't know if it's true. Uh, first, like that's the thing. Like narratively, we usually take what the character says, like at face value. And this guy, we do initially, and then like within seconds, you find out this guy's a slings bullshit like religiously. <laughs> yeah. Um, but is this a flash forward? Because we do get this later at the end of the movie. It's not. Okay. Um, no, no, no. So, I mean, I think he, I mean, he uses this speech later to to kind of lure the, the criminals when we get to that part. So I think it's just it's, it's maybe foreshadowing. Um, yeah, it's just like, it's a weird again. it's a weird audio bookend to to the certain to both sides of the movie. Yeah. All right. But like all you need to know at this point is that he's a slick talker and he has some real uh, issues when it comes to holding down a job and his family. uh wants him to pay rent that's yeah. the major conflict of the movie because it's 1991 and that is probably the biggest problem that a 21 year old can have at that time <laughs> i have a note that's just like why is it that time period that parents were so insistent on you need to pay rent if you don't you're a deadbeat it's just like what is why are you guys so upset i don't know <laughs> I guess it's, it's the boomers right so it's yeah. <laughs> The boomers, the boomers were all like, you like you need to get your, your asses, asses out and get a job so that we we don't have to do our jobs anymore. Right. It's funny to think about that now. It's like any I think any what any 30 year old who watches this movie now and sees like a, a parent or anybody or someone who is also Frank Whaley's age ridicule him for not moving out. <laughs> right. Like he makes you like, roll your eyes pretty hard now, you know. <laughs> but like i mean 21 is like you just graduated college right like yeah. or you're like graduating college like not for them to immediately like, to be like get the too, fuck yeah. out and get a job <laughs> yeah. but uh he, he's a fibber and like apparently we're gonna find out later that the whole town has caught on to his bullshit but not the kids so that's like kind of his audience and they follow yeah. him around the neighborhood on their bikes and stuff all excitedly and they're at the bus stop, and I see in the credits superimposed on the screen that we get not only one Mulroney in the form of yes. Kermit, but we get Kieran Mulroney, <laughs> which is like I'm getting Culkin vibes all over. It's this <laughs> right. Home Alone connection and this Kieran brother see, thing. That's how deep the film goes. <laughs> It turns out there used to be a law back in the early 90s where if you were the brother of a famous uh, child or young actor, you had to legally, legally change to Kieran. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he says to these kids today, what do we find? Because, like, he's saying his theory about the armed robbery. It was a hit. It was an assassination. But who is he telling it to? He's at an animal shelter and he's, like, telling it to a dog, I think. Yeah, it's a and group of dogs. 
his yeah. boss comes in and he says, you're out of here. Or it like smash cuts and <laughs> he's already out of here. Like, I don't understand why that's the impetus to fire someone. <laughs> that he's just like talking to the dog. That's what you're supposed to do, I would assume, at an animal this is, shelter. This is 1991. We can't have any of this nonsense. <laughs> right, if he's not right, doing hard work, dogs. he needs to get the fuck out. <laughs> right. Cleaning up their, their dog shit and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't look at them. Don't talk to them. Is that conversation I hear you have in there, Jim? <laughs> yeah. Um, Who knows? But he says to the dogs, he, he spins it, like, or later to the kids after getting fired to talking to dogs, today is the day I decided that's as far as I can go in the animal care business. I don't know. I just got to move on to other career opportunities. Yeah. And the kids are just, like, eating it up. <laughs> we already know he's, like, a liar. And I'm sure everybody knows somebody like this. Just somebody just can't help it. It's a compulsion. Yeah. He's uh, at a diner, and uh, he hits on. Uh, it kind of hits on a waitress, but he what is he? He tries to look cultured here. You remember this scene? Yeah, he asks if they have a specific type of food. I don't remember what the food sashimi. was. Sashimi. Sashimi. Do you guys have sashimi yet? And then she's like, I would if I knew what the hell that was. And he's like, oh, it's great. It's like this raw fish, and you eat it with this buttery <laughs> sauce. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't even think he's ever even eaten it. So no, no, absolutely not. That would have been an interesting little thing, a little line later in the movie, as if he said it as a like a confession to Jennifer Connelly. He's like, yeah. I've never even eaten that. So well, here's the detail. I, he pronounces it sashimi. Does he? I've I've only ever heard it pronounced sashimi. So mm. like, is he is he pronouncing it like like yeah. that alone is like me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's proof like, that he's dumb. He's like Bugs Bunny, how some, like he mispronounces <laughs> shit on purpose sometimes. Yeah, yeah what a coinkydink. Uh, so he's having an interview with an auto repair shop guy, uh, and he says, "I'd hire you if I hadn't fired you so many times." So <laughs> we, we see he's like a professional fibber. That's his job, and everybody, nobody wants to hire him in that department, and. Uh, he recommends that he goes to St. Louis because nobody knows him there. He could start a new, <laughs> a new identity. And uh, this I is mean, the most exciting place you you came to is St. Louis, Louis. Now, so yeah. And like the goal that's established here, based on this auto repair shop guy's assessment of him, is hey, you're 21 years old. You you need a place of your own. <laughs> that's like, I like living at home. You you how can you be at home still, man? You need to get out. You're already 21 years old, man. Like I joined the service when I was 14. I ended up with my own place when I was 17. Got married at 20. Um, had a full time job 30. since I was 11 years old. Yeah. Uh, Q Jennifer Connolly, Uber babe of 1991, pulling up in her sporty little car at the pump. And she's uh, she's got them brows, but we don't care. <laughs> we don't, but they are noticeable. <laughs> Especially were... in, in 2020 when you're watching in HD and you're mm-hmm. looking and they got close ups of her and you got eyebrows and you got... got some. She's got some Cara Delevingne. And who the going. fuck am I to complain about Jennifer Connelly? First of all, I want to <laughs> I got the brows. This. Yeah. I clarify this, guys. <laughs> Jennifer Connelly is a babe. And... <laughs> Let's just put it this way. Uh, Caitlin was sitting next to me on the couch, ha- not really paying attention. She looked up for one second and said, wow, those are some eyebrows. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> did she did she look up during the horse scene, though? I think that no. supersedes any brow work. Classic but, horse scene. 
Um, Whaley smokes a cig. He tries to look cool. <laughs> I love it when wiener characters try to look cool. <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> I've been that wiener trying to look cool. <laughs> Sorry, I've... Uh, be a shamelessly self-promote my scene and I hate theater when I try to hit on uh, uh, Crystal's <laughs> character yeah. outside the theater. It's one of my favorite wiener hitting on <laughs> trying to look cool scenes. But um, he's interrupted by his dad who is like really like if you... Who is this guy? He is not his dad if you ask me. He's Dude, like... Hot. He's from hard, hardcore John Capellos, janitor from Breakfast Club. Like is if it? you gave him no, I mean, like, oh. he, he looks like him. Like, if you gave him, like, a dose of steroids, just one, yeah. and he, like, that's who you get. This, Dude, this guy, this his father. What if he was uh, not Kevin McAllister's cousin, but, like, Bender's brother from the <laughs> Breakfast Club? Oh, shit. <laughs> it's possible. That'd be amazing. Um, I, I kind of like this idea of the Hughes verse that never got, we have to retcon to flesh out. That's you know? what we need to do. We need to make a show that's... Uh, just like Castle Rock, except it's all it's it's Shermer. That's what it is. Dude. We do a show called Shermer, and everything joke, exists. But that's like that'll probably be that a thing. Be, that would be in like two years. <laughs> Seriously. All right. Copyright. Um, uh, ninety under ninety. Twenty twenty. Yeah. But uh, he's interrupted by his dad, and his dad is like he's rocking like a southern accent, which is another thing that it's like different from Whaley. Whaley's like put on a whole other persona because he's a sociopath. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And, and that's what I started to think about. Like, what if you view this as he's nuts? Yeah. Like, Bailey is insane. When we start to get into some of the stuff happening at Target, it's like, is this real? Like, is this actually happening? Or is he just imagining all of this? You know, yeah. you start to frame it in that light. And you're like, okay, that makes a little more sense. He's talking to dogs. He's talking to kids. Like, he's driving. Well, he drives a limo to work like, on his first day. I, I, I like that. I like this version of the movie better. If they would have just given us a glimpse of his sanity at the beginning, or at least made it a little bit more clear. Yeah. Rare Opportunities is like Joker. <laughs> exactly. For <Joker> 1991. <laughs> Although, like, I think I vision Frank Whaley and Joker makeup, maybe even at this age. But, hey. Um, but, uh,. His dad's pissed. He was fired again. He lies and says he resigned. Like he tries to smooth talk, but his dad is used to this bullshit. Um, at home, he has dinner. His bro is very familiar. I believe it's the Sixteen Candles bro, uh, and and that would make sense, wouldn't it? it? It would make sense. I I truly have no idea if it's uh the same guy or not. I'm not as familiar with Sixteen Candles as I am other Hughesies. He just, I think John Hughes had a little cloning machine and he just produced little brothers for his movies. <laughs> annoying little brothers. Um, so she's got the perennial little bro. Got a sis with octagonal glasses and I'm sure that was a script flourish from Hughes. I don't know. <laughs> yes. But she's, uh, she's chewing him out saying like, how come you haven't moved out yet? He's like, what are you like, 40? You haven't moved out yet. <laughs> Yeah, but I pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? This rent stuff. Dude, like, rent is huge. Uh, I guess. It's like three guys, one room all over again. Did you guys think of that or am I the only one? I didn't. No. I, I did not. No. All right. Because I'll be because uh, we're a little bit more entertaining than uh, than Frank Whaley. Well, as an individual. hey, that that remains to be seen. Um, but uh, anyway, 
we're getting more pressure on Whaley to move the fuck out from his dad. And his mom's like doing the best she can, but you can tell maybe she's kind of done too. Everybody seems to want him out. And um, the sis says Josie's, that's Jennifer Conley. They're talking about her. He said he saw her earlier at the gas station, but he lies and says that they had Java together. All he, we know <laughs> that has to throw true. the flourish on there. Just, yeah, we had a cup of Java together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't even be coffee. It has to be fucking Java. This fucking this is crazy. Good. Uh, I love framing it now that he's crazy, <laughs> like because only a crazy person would call it Java. <laughs> right. We're gonna we're gonna learn and not learn some things about Jennifer Conley. In that she moved to New York to get an MBA in high fashion design, but more importantly, later down the line, is she's like a sort of like a princess in a castle yeah. with a really overbearing dad, and she has this the way she plays it initially, it, dare I say, is almost like dazed and prosaic, like she's sure. sedated. It's weird. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm projecting, but um, yeah. As, anyway, back to the dinner. His sis says he's a freeloading, obnoxious slug. He's got to pay rent. Dad says he's got to pay rent. And then like ne- next day, the dad wakes him up or tries to like scream. <laughs> Just screaming in his face. Yeah. yeah. And Frank does, and Jim has no reaction. Further well, he's crazy. crazy. His father is crazy <laughs> too. His father eats chicken wing or chicken legs and peanut butter at that great rate and wakes up eating packaged meats. It's yeah. so bizarre. He's it's... a weird dude. Every time they cut away to the dad, I was like, what is happening <laughs> yes. with this man? <laughs> this poor guy. And it goes nowhere. Spoiler I, alert. It wasn't until I read like the synopsis that him and uh, Connolly's dad's spoiler alert question mark have the, a very similar arc in this movie and it's like nothing they both have very similar nothing arcs in the movie but then he goes on and he he like goes to manage the miami dolphins and so good (laughs) ace ventura how the hell do you lose a goddamn 500 pound fish (laughs) (laughs) so um okay they drive together and the they take him to one more interview i don't know where the dad says he couldn't wait to move out at 21 is it at his concrete place where he works he's a concrete like contractor and uh it doesn't matter because he doesn't get the job um and he says if well the, the dad says if you don't uh, get the job you're i'm gonna put you on a bus to st louis and, <laughs> where you uh, could work with your uncle in his gardening shop <laughs> Ooh, like that's like the worst fate ever. I, you know? I wonder if these were digs at St. Louis, because if you're from like Illinois and you have Chicago, you're like, I don't want to fucking go to St. Louis. It's terrible. They <laughs> yeah, have the office. That. That's it. John Hughes hated St. Yes. Louis. Um, All you can do is work in a garden store. <laughs> You'll and work. Like, and he's like, I don't know anything about gardening. So it's like his dad is like, if you don't shape up, I'm going to send you off to give you a job and a skill. You better watch yourself, man. <laughs> so he says, I have a distinct feeling you want me out of your life. He's like, no, I just want you out of my house. And then he goes out and he sees that he's, oh, I'm sorry. He's not at the concrete place. We reveal that he is. We're at the target now. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. We're at target. And yeah. And John Candy is the store manager, which is oh, a real surprise. Thank okay. God for this burst of sunshine. Uh, <laughs> and and not, not that I'm saying that this movie is a rainstorm or anything, but I'm just saying, like, 
he he was a welcome presence. welcome yeah. yes presence and always is to be honest with you have you ever watched a movie or a show or anything and be like oh fuck john candy like <laughs> never. No, no never no one's ever said that in the history of everything <laughs> he's the best He's always doing his shtick. He like he always his characters always seem to like legitimize whatever they're doing with that sort of like sweet earnestness. And he like riffs about sweets like he does. Ah, oh, you know you could tell I've been eating. <laughs> Can't offer you a bear claw? No, you won't take a bear claw. I don't need one. <laughs> yeah, a little self-deprecating. He's yeah. doing this, doing uh his 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 dad thing. He's always been a dad kind of yeah. in a way, you know. Yeah. Um, and so. The the I guess the funny little gag of this scene is Whaley thinks he has leverage in this interview and Candy gives it to him. We think that Candy's really, really accommodating by offering him like first a salary with benefits and then Whaley says, you know, I was thinking like forty five thousand yeah. dollars a year. Which yeah. like legit ninety one nineteen ninety one dollars, that's like upper eighty thousand a, a lot year. of money. So yeah. I was like it took me, I'm like, what is this guy? Do it. <laughs> and he offers I mean, him. Yeah. That was an immense package. I mean, that was <laughs> profit sharing. That was like vacation. I almost, I almost got mad. I was like, oh, this is the fucking 90s, man. This economy's <laughs> booming. Um, I was almost like, how can anyone badmouth Target? Listen to these perks. <laughs> but the, no, what we find out is he is actually, there's been a file mix up. He's like, you're Jim jones jack off whatever okay sorry i got your files mixed up you're here for the overnight uh cleanup job right and he's the like overnight clean cleanup boy yeah candy gets a phone call from assumedly his secretary or the admin or something and he does this turn yeah and then it's a diopter shot they have a split <laughs> diopter shot in this comedy where it's john candy on one side it's usually yeah. very menacing and whaley in the back yeah it's like <laughs> Never. Mind. It's like uh, Who the hell like in the hateful to? eight, you'll see that, <laughs> and then you'll see it in in career opportunity, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, Whaley, like we reveal that he's there for the overnight cleanup boy position. And he says, and he's like, well, I can only offer you four forty for an hour. Yeah, um, <laughs> not great. And uh, he has no choice really to accept it, and um. That's it. He's off to the races, right? Gets the job, and then then what do we we well, we cut to Josie's house, right? Yep. After, yeah. Yep. So her her, her dad's it. in like this weird like political meeting with two people yeah. about a I think Honda or Toyota. I don't know. That's neither. It's just a Japanese car manufacturer. So some good old just xenophobia in there i don't want no japanese car dealership in my town <laughs> so you kind of get this idea that the the owner of the dolphins <laughs> joseph's father <laughs> is uh is like a big player in the town right so yeah like 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 true detective villain <laughs> <laughs> and he like she jennifer this whole scene like jennifer conley comes in and she's like what how old is she like Maybe same age like 21 okay, 21 so she's of age but she's getting some glaring looks i mean I, she would from these governor's office dudes or whatever and she kisses one of them and she shakes the other's hand now what kind of power play if if i didn't know any better i think she was on her dad's side and she was just trying to like fuck with his enemies or something that's at first it's presented almost like like calls her in to such these two guys like like i thought that's where they was going for a skin and then like you quickly realize that she's 
pulling a stunt because she's clearly really? like got issues with her father and like wants to piss him off. And right. That, you know, she wants to embarrass him in yeah. front of like in front of these high level people. And it's just like, oh, this is the type of daughter that you have. Like, yeah. He just comes in and kisses one. But for a second there, I was like, oh, this is going to be problematic. This is going to be a big <laughs> problem if this dad is like whoring out his daughter. <laughs> I was like, Fine. We have not seen the last of the guy she kissed. No way. <laughs> oh, but sure enough, we did, and he never shows up again. Yeah. But uh, the dad is shocked, and at night, he tells her, later on, he tells her he's going to beat the living daylights out of her if she pulls a stunt like that again. That's yeah. what we're dealing with. Then I had to yeah. notice, it's like, oh, nothing like, you know, just some good old child abuse. You know? Yeah. That's John Hughes, nice. he has, like, these nice, like, themes of like self-empowerment and then they're like peppered with stephen king like levels of child abuse yeah it's it's like it's a healthy mix of a fucking you know teen angst and like evil parents right i'm sure he had some parental issues you know you don't write this kind of stuff about high schoolers just non-stop and very well without having some problems when mr hughes was not a nice man um (laughs) We uh, we'll cut to this weird little scene because it's shot mostly in close up. So you, and it's at night. You don't really get an idea of what's going on. Yeah, it's uh, it's the I guess it's the Mulroney brothers and they're stealing a a, couple, oh, right. a couple's car who's having sex. Yeah, and it's it's a pretty like it feels like it's out of like a a different movie like a trauma movie or something. Yeah. Yeah, for a second there, you're like, are we gonna get a rape in this movie? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't like the way this is going. But no, Don thankfully they just really. He should have went Edmund Dantes and went <laughs> hardcore. But yeah, um, he they steal the couple's car, they get away, and that's all you need to know. And uh, this is confusing because, and it's funny because the next day it's Whaley. We're back to haha's, and and Whaley's on his way to his first day of work at Target. Uh, but. A quote-unquote limo pulls up. It clearly has a decal on it that says funeral home. Uh, but his dad refers to it as a limo. I think the audience is supposed to think that it's a limo, too. It's just not I mean, covered I th- well. I think it's technically a limo. It's just a sedan limo. Like, like it's not a stretch. Limo? And it's from a hearse company. So, like, the, the funeral homes will offer a limo. Oh. To like the the next of kin to drive with to the funerals. Oh, and it's like a nicer car. Like Jared said, it's not like a stretch limo, but it's like a bigger car where you sit in the back. Oh, so okay. I think that's the gag is that he hired a he didn't get a legit limo service. He hired a funeral homes limo to drive him, <laughs> and they take okay. the decal off the side as like I don't want anyone to know this is a funeral. Yeah, uh, but he he does it in his bullshitty way where he he acts like. You know, like, come on, like, you know, hey, remember, we knew the decal. I've told you this before. We do this all the time. <laughs> it only costs 50 bucks. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. What a shit. Like, <laughs> what a shit. Um, you don't have any rent money, but you have $50 for a, for a lift. No one mentioned. He's too much. Uh, he's in the back of the car and the kids are on bikes pedaling next to the limo. And he says he's going on some big exotic trip, including pasta in Venice with yeah. the queen or something. <laughs> and uh, that's when we cut to Target. Like the rest of the movie is yeah. Target, basically. Um, she's trying on... Guys, Target has everything. I don't know if you know <laughs> this, but they have everything. It's true. They're a super store. Uh, Connolly 
tries on some necklaces and she's she's shoving them down her blouse. She's like looking around like, whoa, shit. And uh, Whaley shows up at Target. He's got his curl still, even though in Candy's scene, one of his last lines is lose the curl. So I don't know. I guess he's a real independent <laughs> thinker. <clears throat> he uh, he shows up and uh, he shows up like he owns the place. He tells a worker to fix a loose <laughs> tile with epoxy and cement. <laughs> Like, I enjoyed it. And the guy's like, who's that? Uh, I always, um, <laughs> what the hell is that guy? Yeah, right. If it was, even if it was, he was kidding, I'd be like, I don't like this guy on the oh, first day. <laughs> oh, he for sure. And that's why nobody likes him. <laughs> and we get William, we cut to a shotgun being pointed at him. We're not sure who it belongs to. What's we going think on? Maybe the robbery is already starting or something. And no, it's, it's William Forsyth. <laughs> from Rob Zombie's uh, films. <laughs> and he's basically doing his Rob Zombie thing. Yeah. And uh, he tells him the last guy was a slacker. He gives him uh, his old Target jumpsuit, like his, his janitor suit. Darnell. Yeah. And he says it smells like Darnell. And uh, he gives him, like, a, a lot of shit to do. Yeah. I didn't. Like clean the men and women's bathrooms, clean my coffee maker and wax my desk. <laughs> Start actually helping you make yourself make your way over to home appliances. I, and it's just intense tracking shot, man. But to me, he wasn't giving him that much to do. Like honestly, he was like he was really intense and he's like, Yeah, you gotta make sure you clean the floors, which is obvious, <laughs> and then you gotta clean the bathrooms, and then after that you have to clean my coffee maker. <laughs> like you have to focus on this one small appliance. <laughs> He has that's he it. makes filthy tasks. coffee. It's really mucky. <laughs> uh, so he says grazers are a real problem, like no eating, and he's, <laughs> he'll be there alone also. Yeah. Uh, so he he lays out the groundwork. He's going to turn off the lights. Every third aisle has a light, so it's going to be kind of darkened in the store. And he just kind of takes off. And we wonder what Whaley's going to do. And, and he locks so- him in. So like but, he locks yeah, Jim yeah. first of all. So Foresight, the custodian who runs the show, locks Jim in the store, says nobody gets keys on their first day. Yeah. So I thought like, okay, this is like a good and that track was like twenty five minutes in. I'm like, this is a good point. Like, there's no going back. You're stuck in the store for yeah. the next eight hours, legitimately locked in. Um so I thought that was interesting structure wise. Totally. It's like, oh, they actually did that correctly. I feel but like I was- every yeah, I was just gonna say I was surprised at at least at first at his reaction where he was just like, wait, I'm gonna have to be here all like alone. Like this guy, this guy clearly doesn't even want this. Want this? Don't you think he would be happy, happy to eat in the Target get by himself without having a boss? Like, uh-huh. yeah. Now, then I guess later on, yeah, you you realize later on, yeah, um, he has no one to shit with if he's alone. Yeah, like so far so good. I would say, uh, structurally speaking. And I'm thinking in five minutes we're going to meet the Mulroney brothers and we're going to have some target hijinks with Jennifer Conley as the babe that he's got to save. And it's, it's going to be cool, you know? But It's going to be like the third act of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. We're going to use every <laughs> element of this department store. I was patrolling the pachinko in Little Maripala in the Okay. Kevin's like, what? I don't know. Lost me on that one, boys. <laughs> they, yeah, that's kind of an inside joke. But not really, because you just got to watch the end of Mr. and Mrs. Smith's oh, song I've only seen that they listen to. Um, the Joe Strummer, Strummer song. Uh, so anyway, all the lights go out. 
and some more this movie has a weird soundtrack i will say yeah. that kevin already mentioned uh what was it the midnight the midnight's the the band nowadays that oh just, like, okay that, sorry yeah, yeah no no you're fine so that's like that's what i was hoping the music would be like in this movie yeah a band called the midnight where it's like 80s new wave like synthy like yeah. very time period but this like I, I totally agree the soundtrack for this was very strange Goofy, but maybe it yeah. was maybe it's like a time capsule from 91 and it's just like before me being familiar with music but i thought it was off strange time for music yeah. i will say that yeah right before um, grunge hit everyone was like what what do we do we don't <laughs> what do we do guys <laughs> yes it's um anyway the store is super dirty there are rappers all over the floors this is the filthiest target yeah. i have ever seen there is debris on every aisle if you ever walked into a target this dirty no one would ever return to it <laughs> which furthers me thinking that it's all in his head and there's no way a store is actually this dirty and he's just he's manifesting all of this trash yeah it's it's a psychological it's comedy and it's, uh, yeah the garbage takes, is insane yeah it's everywhere he uh he takes his break pretty soon like immediately almost and he goes and he grazes off the candy shelves and he uses the intercom to fuck around like you would. Yep. And he like, you know, like you're in a target. So you're going to and you're a writer. OK, I'm going to have him do. I'm going to go to the have him set up a tent in the camping supply. I'm going to have him golf a few swings like everything you'd ever want to do in an yeah. abandoned target. Right. Uh, including watching TV with a mannequin, calling his dad to discuss because he's in a store and it reminds him of the things he wants oh, he is like it's hard to like frank whaley at this point yeah but he also now this is might be the most crazy bonkers thing he does is when he puts a polaroid of himself in the manager john candy's manager <laughs> a plaque on the wall. he is delusional and even as a, a funny little prank, prank, I feel like like the manager comes in the next the next because that card that that Polaroid left there. Yeah, he's even like this guy's fired. What the hell is this all about? <laughs> Imagine coming in near the manager and the guy, the new guy's second day. How do you do? Well, <laughs> you look at his picture. The store is There's several stolen items. He's gone, and his picture <laughs> is over mine. Not only is the store not clean, it appears to be dirtier, and there are bullet holes in a lot of the merchandise. But he got the girl. Um, he messes with, like, they had instrument, like, I guess they still have, like, maybe a couple Casios at the uh, Target, but he messes, like, drum kits and, like, keyboards, and he tries on all of the clothes. Like, there's, like, a hundred cuts of him wearing, like, a hundred different outfits in this montage. He bikes around the store and then for no reason just to, i guess to pad the time of the movie we now like cut between like his dad who's in bed and he says he should have spent more time helping than harping on his son yeah. so yeah why do we give a shit about this dad like unless they're gonna go all the way with it yeah why do we care what this dad is thinking right right now all he was was the catalyst for frank to get this job and like that's it that's all we need him for yeah, uh, and Kev said it. Hughes did not like this movie. He was not happy with it when it came out. It makes you wonder what changes they did go through. Mm -hmm. um, 
But uh, this is crazy because Target apparently has bridal veils. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's roller skating in his underwear, cow boxers at Target with a bridal veil on. He is cuckoo bananas. <laughs> this guy is nuts. <laughs> There's nothing stable about this interview. <laughs> Dude, all Joker did, sorry, all Joker did was dance down some steps in the Bronx. Fucking Whaley's on skates with a bridal veil on. Um, so, what, and I write in my notes now, how have I not seen or heard, really, of this movie? Uh, like, question mark, question mark. Uh, and then, this is, I, I could see why you would think this might be, like, some fantasy stuff going on. Because it cuts and he skates by Jennifer Conley. And the way it's shot, she looks like a mannequin come to life. Like the we did this on the show. We did mannequin. It's like mannequin. Yeah. Uh, and it's like slow mo, and he goes by her, but the head turns, and so yeah. do the eyes, and you're like, this isn't a mannequin. And <laughs> yeah. Whaley realizes it too, and uh, it's a mannequin with brows. And he, uh, we cut now to her dad looking for her with the police. It's kind of like. I kind of compared it to like Halloween because most of it is Loomis and like the sheriff in a car <laughs> together just fucking around. Uh, that's what's going on with her dad. At Target, he puts his red jumpsuit back on and now he gets to talk to Connolly about who he is, who she is. She asks why he was roller skating. He asks why she's there. And she Here's her big story. She fell asleep in the ladies' dressing room debating whether or not to get arrested for shoplifting to embarrass her dad, but she chickened out. Mm. There it is. That's why she's in the store. <laughs> you got <Yeah>. all that? <laughs> um, and then she gets a little more expositional in like third person-y. Sometimes characters do that. They go like, this is the story of a woman with an overbearing father, deceased mother and brother, a confused girl. Like, you know, yeah. she's beside herself. Yeah. Um, we cut to uh, uh, Jim's dad. And this is the chicken in the peanut butter. This is crazy comes from crazy because yeah, this, is, yeah, <laughs> yes, just dipping fried chicken into the fucking peanut butter. It's disgusting. Yeah, but like, I feel like if Whaley came home in this scene, he would casually join him and grab it. Grab a stick and do it too. <laughs> they do it all the all the. You can see little bits of bits of skin and the peanut uh, butter. It's a special. Uh, chi- it's the chicken peanut butter. It's the special jar. It's so gross. It's not gross. Homer Simpson shit. Um, he says he's not. Okay, we're back to um, Frank Whaley, who's still lying. He tells Conley he's about to make hobo chicken, mm-hmm. which is a TV dinner. I don't think he's making or anything, right? Is that the whole gag? Yeah, so he's just he's framing it as he's cooking this immense meal. But yeah, they're just a couple of microwave yeah. dinners. But yeah, they like they're grabbing pots and pans. He's gonna cook her a meal, and I'm like, dude, tar- this Target in '91 does have everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got guns. It's got. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they're eating TV dinners. I don't know, like it doesn't look great. But he tells her his dad's a cement contractor. She asks if he always talks so much, which is a really valid question <laughs> for Bailey. <laughs> Yeah, like she, you, you would guess she's not. These two are not gonna end up together. She's no. frankly annoyed by Whaley, and you can't really blame her. But she recommends he goes into sales. Another valid suggestion mm-hmm. for a talker like him. And he says he tried. I guess it didn't work out. Right. And he puts a 
fuck ton of pepper, like grated pepper on his TV dinner, just like a bunch. Yeah. And um, he, it, this it is what's the natural the, flavor of the chicken. Yes, that's what you yeah. put a half a half a fucking shaker of pepper. He uh, he tells her this is when he gets creepy. He tells her he had dreams about her, and she says, "That's all I do." <laughs> she's so dramatic yeah. i'm like what's your deal like i was like is she starting to push like manic pixie girl too much you know like she's here to fix him i, I honestly thought she was like on xanax or yeah. something um and cut to the dad saying uh kids are our work her dad is saying that to the cop it's useless it's just a quick cut yeah, kids are work and we cut <laughs> okay and uh we cut back to Whaley lighting a stogie on a lawn chair, and Conley asks, "Shouldn't he be cleaning the store?" And he's like, ah, "I'll get to it." And, he's uh, like, "Yeah, yeah, fuck it, don't worry do about you it." Always, do you always smoke cigars? Oh, I like it. after a meal. It helps settle the stomach, you know. And it's just these continued lies. Who is this guy? You're like, please. Uh, and the size of that, so you smoke that whole that whole cigar <laughs> after a meal? My God. <laughs> Like, I've smoked cigars. They upset my stomach. I don't yeah. know what he's talking about. Straight up. Um, Connolly, though, she's, she she boldly asks, you're the town liar, right? Like, she's like, I get it. You're like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I know now. You're the town liar. Yeah. See, see, you're full of shit. Okay. <laughs> I met the drunk earlier. You're the liar. Okay, yeah. great. Um, And your it's... dad's the owner of the Miami Dolphins. So, like, everybody knows everybody. <laughs> And Whaley apparently didn't know that. He says, if anybody's been saying that, it's because they're small, cheap, petty, and jealous. Okay. And uh, people uh, call her. She's like, what do people call me? He's like, they call you a tease, which is, I should have known it was a fucking John Hughes script when I (laughs) calls her a tease. Like the standard go-to pretty girl insult of like that era. Like, ah, you're a tease. Rich, damaged girl is a tease. That's, that's, you know, that's the uh, equation in his head. And uh, he asks it, her if she thinks he's a liar. And she's like, I don't know you. But, like, I think deep down she's like, yeah, you're a fucking liar. Yeah, absolutely. Um, apparently he was bullied in high school. And she's like, oh, I loved high school. Uh, it was, like, the highlight of my life. And then she has a profound realization. It's the highlight of my life. Oh, no. Oh, no. Downhill from there. Oh my God! Because she's 21 and she's still living at home, she might as well be like dead. She's like just the biggest loser in the world now. Um, she thinks he's happy though, like he's got life figured out, and he has to kind of correct her by saying, "No, I, I'm not." Yeah. And uh, they're kind of both on the same page, just in different ways. And uh, yeah, this is when we get kind of a big to do from her like she even gets on the intercom to confront him about living at home still it's like right. why don't you want to move out and, and procreate and start a fan mate she says yeah she she like now i'm thinking like she's an alien her character landed <laughs> on her yeah and he's teaching <laughs> her it's like weird science um he's crazy she's an alien it's a perfect movie now it's yep. gone completely off the rails <laughs> and uh Connolly then puts on a cassette in the music section. She dances in front of all the new kids in the Randy Travis CDs. <laughs> the compact discs. Yeah, big new thing. And Whaley joins in, and he dances a bit like a dork. And uh, 
she stops the music when she sees that. I guess she just is so turned off by his dancing. She just had enough. No more music. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> you, you ruined music. Crazy. Um, cue these. We, no, no, music. the music's not dead. We get some sexy saxophone here. Perhaps the sexiest when a car pulls up outside of the Target. And we don't know who it is, but something's going to happen in like, I don't know, five to ten minutes. Yeah. Connolly gets on the intercom and says there's no need to lie to impress me or anybody. And he denies it. And and she keeps like harping on about moving out, starting a family. And uh, th- here's what I'll say about this movie and another movie that came out the exact same year, I believe. Wayne's World, right? Yeah. They both look so different, don't they? Oh, yeah. Wayne's World looks polished and clean and new and modern. And this movie looks like it's a relic of 83 or something. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it looks like it's, yeah, it's definitely belongs in the 80s, this movie. It just it's so escaped. interesting how different they look to me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's just that indoor target lighting. Right. Actually, you know what? No, I, yeah, it was 91, I think. Yeah, because I was going to say, I think it was 92, but I think uh, Encino Man was 92. I think Wayne's World 2 was 93. Oh, okay. Um, she says she'd do anything to have his freedom, and he'd do anything for her wealth. So it's that classic, I'd yeah. kill for, you know, vice versa. And she says she doesn't want to be alone, and that's when we see that she's, like, they cue, like, this porny music here, and Frank Whaley has this look in his eye like, I got a shot. She's codependent. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can use this to my advantage. <laughs> yes, and we're locked in a store together. Um, cut to his dad picking like pimentos out of some meat at his table. Why do you even buy that kind of meat if you're just gonna start picking this? Just buy some fucking salami or bologna or something. Or don't buy the fucking an olive. John Hughes is. Like, aren't parents stupid? Look at look what they do at night. Look at what you know? keeps them up. Because they realize how much they fucked up their children. <laughs> if They're only my dad had such it. a sad life sitting there <laughs> dipping their chicken in the peanut butter and picking olives out of meat. <laughs> so, uh, at the uh, cut to her dad, he's still cruising around with the cop. I honestly don't even. It's blah blah blah. We cut back it's now. Not. They're at the food court. She asks Whaley. If he'd go away with her, like a bold question for him somewhere, anywhere, Spain, you know, mentions L.A. And uh, she says uh, her dad will realize uh, she'll make it on her own if she doesn't die or he'll just beat the shit out of her. Like, that's the plan. She she says that verbatim and you're like, oh, God, yeah. like now I got to feel uncomfortable again. Yeah, <laughs> it's heavy. Yeah. Thanks a uh, lot, Hughes. <laughs> This is an actual line she says, though. He says, I always thought your life was okay. And she says, it's not okay. It's twisted and it's distorted and it can't be changed and it cannot be saved. I'm like, oh. God. God. You know what? Uh, Never mind. Let's just. (laughs) You want to be friends? You do your thing. I'll I'll just keep cleaning the store. store. You're you're a bummer. Once they skate together, um, he agrees to go with this... uh, Spacey, and he yeah he agrees to go with this spacey possibly drugged out chick Jennifer Connelly. 
Well, I think at that point she reveals she has money, right? He's yeah. Like, What's money? She goes fifty two thousand dollars. That's right. And like fifty two grand. Where in my purse? <laughs> Just fifty two grand chilling in her purse in a Target. <laughs> and at this point, you have to wonder. Why haven't you left yet? Why haven't you started your own life? Are you literally just sitting around like, should I embarrass my dad or should I not embarrass my dad before I leave? That's really what it seems like. And also, what is this movie about? Exactly. <laughs> she ran away, though. And Whaley talks about the time they briefly danced as kids when they were in grade school or something. The homecoming. It's, ah, so, okay. it's so weird how it's like revealed that they've known each other for like 17 years because when he sees her in the target and when he sees her earlier in the movie it's almost like he's captivated by this woman he's never seen before yes and like they make eye contact and he's like wow this changed me but and like then shit goes on and, but then he's on a dinner and he's like i saw her and we had job so i know what you mean it's like you'd think that they met for the first time or she yeah. landed from mars and she's yeah. trying to understand human <laughs> culture but it's it got in a way that that makes him like they've never ever met each other but then every piece of evidence is to the contrary yeah and uh her hair even her hair got caught in his braces in this memory and i guess this is a legit maybe not fabricated whaley memory she still does not recall yeah. like this she would not give this guy the time of day even with that but uh, he uh, always dreamed of finishing that dance. And then, honestly, though, like, how good looking could she be in grade school? Like, you know, like. Uh, no, no, no. Know. It was it was high school. It was this. It was homecoming. Oh yeah, right. homecoming. Right. Okay. They said they were. Right, we keep thinking it's grade school. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've known each other for seven years, so like, they're in grade school. For God's sake. <laughs> they're children. <laughs> Jerry, your question was like a fucking trap, by the way. He's like, how good looking can a grade school student be? He's like, if I say they're good looking. <laughs> What's like, the answer to that? I just had like, can't. I don't know. It, it, to me, it's always like, even as a kid, I was just like, well, this face is going to change. Like if I had a crush on a girl, I was like, I can't, you know, my face is going to change. What she looks like when they're going to get married. I don't know what you're going to look like then. <laughs> I can't commit now. I can't look. Talk to me when you've kind of finished developing. Wow. <laughs> um, I didn't have a girlfriend. <laughs> this is so they do finish the dance he always wanted to finish. And I like I pause the movie here. There is 28 minutes left of this movie. Yeah, it's 28 minutes. It flies through at the end, including the credits, <laughs> which is like five minutes. So really, there's an episode of Seinfeld's plot left lengthwise yeah. <laughs> in this movie. And I think that's kind of unacceptable, but I'm just going with the flow at this time, yeah. you know? Um, but they kiss. It's in front of a bunch. Target had fish tanks once upon a time. Yeah, It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. And uh, cut to them. Of course, this is a huge movie. They're fooling around in a tent. You can bet they're having sex. Oh, yes. Outside. The cop shows up uh, with the dad, uh, and he knocks on the door. And through glass now, Whaley comes out from his tent, and he talks to the cop, and he placates him, says, you know, I, he asks, have you seen uh, Josie around? He says, I saw her yesterday. We had Java together. Yeah, the Java. same story. Uh, and, and the movie says, oh, shit, we, gotta, we have a plot we have to put in. And that's when the uh, Mulroney brothers pop their heads around the corner. So, like cop here mulroney brothers here there's only 28 minutes left they're like 
it feels like the movie's shuffling a little bit to me. Um, and uh, okay, so the movie uh, cut to them roller skating now. And I'm not like I was gonna complain that we're wasting time here, but it's like <laughs> the best way to waste time. <laughs> it's roller movie. skating. It's it is a long skating sequence though. Like it, it goes on. It's it's lengthy to the point where I'm like, did they repeat shots to make this go longer? Like is this like Teen Wolf the basketball game where you're like, I've seen that shot from a different angle already four times. I must be. I call me weak because even if they did, I don't care. You love uh, it. Um, I read the review on IMDb and it was. It's so funny reading it now. It's like the guy who wrote it or the girl, I don't know, who were super like, you could tell they really liked it, but they kept focusing on the roller skates. <laughs> Jennifer Conley in the roller skating scene was amazing to look at. It's like, come on. I mean, I know it's true, but. Storytelling. Um, so I will, I don't want to. She looks good, so. She looks great in this movie, but I, I got to be honest, I can't. And she like her performance is pretty good, too. But I still I will never not hear the performance that she gives in Labyrinth, which mm. is just so terrible oh. that it's 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 like she's performing a bang a bad day throughout that whole movie movie. And yeah, I can't ever not hear, hear that when I see her. She reminds you of the babe. Yeah, the babe with babe with her. Yeah. Uh, the power of hoodoo. So, Conley, this is weird. This is a little weird physical moment here. Because when they turn the corner on their roller skates, the Mulroney bros are there with their guns pointed. And, like, do both of their faces collide with the barrels of those bros' guns? It seems, like, I think she crashes into... She, they, like, they crash takes up the legs, right? What's that? Like, they, they crash into the Mulroney brothers' legs and, like, knock them over. And then yeah. they face plant. It and looks then they like go the, into, like, this big this big thing and all the items fall on them. It looks like Conley takes a barrel. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't notice. It looks like she gets pistol still and then they <laughs> fall down. Except instead of them whipping you with the pistol, you run really fast. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this is so funny. Cause like after they knock into them on their roller skates, the Mulroney brothers are so easily knocked uh, like unconscious. Yeah, they're, out. <laughs> yeah, they're done. <laughs> And Whaley and Conley get up like it's no big deal, and they like skate. They run off. They don't skate off. Somehow they get those skates off, and uh, they're running through the the store now to get away from them. And uh, this is when uh, he he kind of is he. Sorry, I'm a little lost here. Okay, yeah, I don't, it, probably another cut, cut father doing some stupid they thing. To, <laughs> they go to the dressing rooms yeah. and. Uh, this is when the Mulroney brothers split up and they look for him there. And Connolly gets on top of Whaley on the floor. Which is yeah. fucking ridiculous the way that they decide to hide. Which is because like any normal person is gonna go into the room and look under and look each... under. Yeah. And no, and Mulroney looks there. above. <laughs> but not <laughs> ridiculous. The first thing you do is look under, and if you don't see feet, then you start kicking in each door until you find them. Jer has done it several times. Yeah. Look, if you don't know how to break your dressing room, <laughs> what the With fuck a, good are you? With a Polaroid, door. like Costanza in that, or Kramer in that one episode with the yeah. sniffing accountant. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, uh, they're on t- Okay, yeah. Thank Dermot you. steps on Whaley's hand and looks over the door and doesn't notice. You don't notice a squishy fucking surface uneven beneath your heel? But okay. 
uh, on the floor. Now they get caught. Like the bros have their guns on Whaley and Connolly, and they're like face down on the floor. And Dermot is given some real creepy looks. Yeah. They ask Connolly if she has a tattoo. Yeah. Like an uh oh, are they gonna rip off her clothes and see? But she just says no, and they take their, her word. Oh, for all right. <laughs> Damn, I thought maybe you did. I, we could see it. I never mind. Because uh, <laughs> if you did, I was gonna ask. Could you? Would you mind if we saw it? <laughs> so. Whaley convinces uh, one of them to get close enough to them to tell him, like, the truth of how they know each other. Like, they're like, how do you know each other? She's like, oh, he's my brother. And he's like, that's not true. They're like, you guys are lying. And he's like, okay, come here and I'll tell you what's going on. And when he gets close, he gives, he, he decides, I guess, I guess, if anything, this movie is about using his fibs to an advantage. Do you yeah, think yes. that's fleshed out in this? No. Because, I mean... <laughs> Like, <laughs> no, no, oh. because like he doesn't. What's the lesson there? Like, what what transformation does this character make then? If he's just like, I'm a bullshit artist, and suddenly the whole town thinks that I'm a fraud. Oh, that's that'll work for me. Like, like that, that's not a movie. <laughs> I'm with you. I'll, I'm with you. I'll that. show him. He's just a stinker. Like Bugs Bunny never learns anything. I don't think <laughs> Whaley needs to either. <laughs> He's just a stinker. You know what? I He's just not... a piece of shit, Jay. Yeah. I wouldn't put him on the same the same as Bugs Bunny. <laughs> well, yeah. Maybe yeah. Lennon in Hard Day's Night, but not Whaley in this. <laughs> uh, so he he gets him close and he says he's telling him he tells him he's running a sixty million dollar drug operation in this very target and some shady associates are on their way here right now. So. And then you recommend that they get out of there because if uh-huh. they're busted during the drug deal, the, the shady guys are going to kill them. And then Connolly's his hostage. Yeah. And and Dermot gets way pervy with Connolly. But before like the heaving really gets to do anything, uh, Whaley and Connolly like, the, just get up from the ground. And he like the first thing he does, he doesn't fight them. He doesn't run like uh, to, to safety. He grabs a boombox or something like a little radio off of the shelf and pretends that he's calling off the guns. Yeah. Like to scare them, I guess. And they buy it, which is weird. Uh, like these guys are clear. Like they're super one dimensional. Yeah. There's yeah. No character development. Let me it. ask you this. Who's. I don't know how to phrase it. Who's worse as a criminal, the Mulroney brothers or the dudes from three ninjas? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be on this show soon. I hope. Uh, Yes, it is. (laughs) I would say the Mulroney's in this. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Yeah. You get, you get an idea of who those surfer guys are, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but, uh, the here's I will say this: John Hughes certainly likes his pairs of of bumbling crooks. Like you got even like I guess Baby's Day Out, there was three of them. Like the Wet Bandits, this movie, uh, uh, fucking Beethoven as Edmond Dantes, uh, Oliver Platt and the Tooch are the two guys in that. Yep. He's got a a boner for two criminal or like I, little I was, groups. I was really hoping you were gonna go. You know, he's got the Wet Bandits. The sticky band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're two different groups. <laughs> Dude, what if they got Pesci out of retirement? He did Irishman, and they're like, okay, now that you're out. <laughs> with Daniel Stern. Real three? <laughs> we pretend, Look. we pull a Halloween, we pretend all those subsequent sequels after two don't exist. 
Yeah. yeah. Look, if Gibson can make Lethal Weapon 5, we can make a Home Alone 3 proper. Lethal Weapon 5. I'm actually pumped. Uh, but anyway. Um... Wait, yeah, he gets the boombox. He pretends that he's got guns. He says, uh, call off the guns. And then they get their guns as a result. They take the guns from the Mulroney brothers. And the Mulroneys actually have a genius move. They're like, yeah, yeah. they lie and say that those guns are, aren't loaded, so it doesn't even matter. And what happens? Whitley's like, oh, well, why don't we call a truce? And he gives the guns back to him. And we find out they're loaded. He shoots why one in the... Why give them back? Like, yeah. I don't know, even if they weren't loaded... <laughs> well, like, and maybe this is a weird question to ask, but like, what do you do if you're the one like who has the gun, and then the guy's like, "That's not even loaded." I shoot it. I sh- exactly. <laughs> you sh- shoot it at the ground, and you're like, "Bullshit! Let's find out, bitch." Right. Exactly. And I definitely yeah. don't give them back. Yeah, <laughs> it's sloppy. Yes. And uh, if nothing else. You can use it for them to run really fast in- into and knock them out. With <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, you know, Jerry, there's only two minutes of screen time left of the movie. We're really gonna <laughs> chug along here. Uh, no, this is like uh, justified minutes here. Conley now has a plan, and mm-hmm. it's going to basically do what the beautiful woman does in a lot of these action movies: is kind of seduce, pretend to seduce the bad guys, get on their good side, and then fuck them over in the end. The problem is that Whaley lose, loses sight of this pretty quickly in the yeah. narrative. Yeah. Like, really quickly. Um, it makes me wonder how much cutting they did, like, in post for this movie. But here's the, the it's the horse scene we mentioned earlier, and maybe other reviewers have mentioned this before. Aside from the roller skating, you get a, you're treated to a scene of her riding a mechanical kid's horse. <laughs> Very <laughs> simulated. Wearing just boots. wearing a tank top yeah. and black tight pants. And like, she knows what she's doing. She's looking at the criminals. She's like, I don't know what she's even saying at this point. <laughs> uh, she gets fresh and asks if maybe they'd consider a partnership for more money, basically. And the bros and her together. This is when the movie, gets, to me, falls off the rails. It, it goes completely bananas this last few minutes here. Like, nothing makes sense. Grabs a sack and assists them in, like, robbing, like telephones yeah, electronics and, like, and yeah from the store whaley is just cleaning he is just <laughs> rushing the floor right. as he watches and like kind of heartbroken watches his girl that he kissed uh help mulroney and his brother rob the place like he lost sight of the, the plan already despite her telling him like she tells him straight up yeah i'm gonna go with them and then I'll escape and I'll come back and get you. I still want to go to California with you. And he's just, he loses it. Can I, can I rewind? Cause I remember something now because they're taking the next scene is them taking the shit to like the loading dock. Mm-hmm. And Whaley's like, what are you guys doing? You can't take this stuff. And she's like, dude, like go with it. But <laughs> I want to rewind here because like the stakes of this movie is he's locked in target, right? Yes. How did they get in? Exactly. <laughs> right. And how are they getting out? <laughs> like, yes. What the fuck? Oh, there was a back door that's oh. just open. Okay. Yes, agreed. Yeah. But they're leaving. Also, I mean, I don't think that's the way that doors work. Like, <laughs> I feel like there's a lock somewhere on one side of that door that he would have access to. It's, hey, we're almost at the end, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Connolly 
uh, ends up stealing their car as they're loading it. But before that, like, Whaley's like, what are you doing? Why are you helping them? I'm an idiot. And she's like, just don't be an ass, she says literally to him. Just go with it. And uh, she steals their car. Whaley inside, like, sacks up. And he becomes, like, Ash from S-Mart. He grabs a shotgun off the (laughs) shelf. And he gives... I like this moment because it's a nice little callback to his theory at the beginning of the movie. This, to me, is a good example of his bullshit paying off in the end. He's on the intercom and he says, uh, it looked like just a regular robbery, but I know it was an assassination because I spent some time with the major crimes uh, division (laughs) of the FBI. And the Mulroney brothers actually hear this and you can tell they're affected by this and he's right for once. Uh, And uh, then... uh, they, they go to find him. Yeah. Because like, they kind of know where the, the microphone is for the intercom. So for some reason, they know where it is. And so did. they go to where he's hiding, um, and they're getting ready to, like, jump him with the guns. And he gets his action guy line. He says, attention, target shoppers. Blam, blam. And we cut, like, we cut away. We cut to the dad nearly asleep at, at the diner. And, and her dad... Did you guys? It's, yeah, it's her yeah. dad too. Yeah, that's the arc I was referring to earlier. It's not much of an arc, but it's her dad and him. They both, I guess, their paths cross at the diner at the end, and right, it's, right. it's no Breaking Bad uh, season <laughs> two. With Mark Margolis and uh, him at the bar, but it's water on Mars. But it's something. But, but we in the audience are like, ah, finally some resolution to this storyline. <laughs> like, oh, they see, look at each other. That's they're it. They're miserable together, and they yeah. both lost their children. That's pretty. And Hugh says, "Fuck you, Dad." Fuck you parents. Yeah. And um, the uh, where are we? Yeah, Conley comes back like she said she would. Uh, for Whaley at the front door after he took care of business. Then we're wrapping up here. The cops arrive to check out the scene. He sees that the Mulroney brothers, like, he pulled a Batman. He tied him up and gave him a package with, like, the yeah. article of them yeah. like, on the lamb. So they knows he knows exactly what's going on. And uh, Whaley exits uh, the limo with, with Conley in the neighborhood just to show the kids, like, that he's with a beautiful girl in a limo. I, uh, I, I get, laughed at how stupid that was. Then yeah. he gets out, she gets out, like they're going somewhere, yep. and they just get back. Yep. I'm yeah. like, oh, they got out just to show the kids. Like, it's, I actually got the girl this time. It's just a little dick measuring for children, basically. <laughs> he's just like, yep, yep, all right. And I, I should mention this earlier. This is like a key to... I, I, I should have mentioned this earlier. This is a key to his whole, like, sociopathic delusional personality is when he gets to target and his first day he looks at the sign and it's instead of target it turns into jim get jim get yeah. <laughs> like which isn't even clever but at the end like it comes full circle because they go to la together they're poolside and you know they're enjoying the sun and he looks at the hollywood sign and it transforms into <laughs> jim, jim wood. wood the end <laughs> it's like why are there these like these weird not real moments in the movie too because you don't have these anywhere else right like these fantasies yeah like that so those were out of place and i'm just like i don't particularly like when movies do that i think you either need to fully commit to that happening a lot Mm -hmm. you can't just throw it up there and be like oh we're seeing his like inner mind this time but not during this entire or things like that there is there's like a muddled there's a really muddled theme which i kind of like in this and it's that his uh his his reality is his own making, I guess. Right. You know, but they don't capitalize on that. No, they don't. No. Um, 
he doesn't learn a goddamn thing in this entire movie. <laughs> it. I'll, I'll say this just one more criticism because I know I kind of leaned hard on this is that it feels like uh, an hour and ten minutes of like Act One and then <laughs> twenty minutes of an Act Three and that's it. Yeah. Like yeah, there's your movie. Uh, for what it's worth, like it it had some some good moments. I'm not just talking about roller skating. It had some good gags, you know. Uh, what was the one part along. you laughed at, Jerry? You said. Oh, when yeah, yeah, when uh, when Dermot goes to get on the horse with her and then slides it <laughs> up. Like, yeah, I laughed out loud at that, and because again, that's not something that's like he goes to get on the horse with her, he falls off. You know, like right. that's that, that seems more like a like an actor choice or like the director on the day being like, okay, well, and then you should fall off or right, be kind of yeah. bumbling. Yeah, I feel like Mulroney was, he's, I mean, clearly Kieran's not, I don't think he's around, but Mulroney is stuck around all these years, and it's choices yeah. like that, Jer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that's when why Whaley? you have your job. Uh, Mulroney has overshadowed Whaley. Yeah. That must really suck for old Whaley. <laughs> but you know what? Whaley's in the MCU, the Netflix Marvel Universe, <laughs> in season one of Luke Cage. That doesn't that count at all. <laughs> no, it's not. It's actually not something anymore. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Right. That means it's got nothing. Dusted. Um. Anyway, it all yeah. comes around to the MCU and the Hughes verse. The MC Hughes. The Love MC the Hughes. Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. Shermer. The, the shows. HCU. Yeah. There we go. Oh, I like it. I uh, think the uh, idea that Fra- Fra- uh, that Jim is crazy. I like <laughs> every other version of this story that we went over. So. This time next week, boys, we meet up for Dutch. Yeah. <laughs> Dutch. The, the other Ed O'Neill movie that yeah. John Hughes made, wrote. I don't know about that one. Oh, it's, I hear it's very similar to this movie. I read in the trivia that it got a lot of comparisons. 92% of users liked this movie for <laughs> Dutch with a cool 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, <laughs> but 92% of users. Then we're going to do Curly Sue with our favorite Jim Belushi from Portillo's. Oh, we love our You got the best dogs. <laughs> Sandy, make sure you set a couple headshots over to Arlington Heights for opening up a new Portillo's. we got to get that I, on the wall. I had one more thing, Jared. It's funny you say that. Whaley at his... I, I hate to shit on Whaley, but do you think at any point in his career maybe he was at a dip and he considered opening a Target somewhere in like rural America? <laughs> like, like he's in, in the like movie? cutting the ribbon at a Target, and, like opening. using this yeah. as his uh, way to promote it. Yeah, we like I, in roller skates. I have to imagine <laughs> that he's probably afraid to go into any Target. <laughs> probably, not Connolly. She's not afraid to go anywhere, and I wouldn't be either if I was her. <laughs> Not at all. Unfortunately for her, all I can think about is Requiem for a Dream. Oh, God. And just like how she goes. I mean, that's I'm assuming what happens when they go to Hollywood. Is yeah, she Dur- Dermot Mulroney's heroin addiction. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Frank Whaley robs his mother's TV to go several times. <laughs> God. All right, and that is Career Opportunities from 1991, directed by Brian Gordon. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, 90under90. You can search for all of us, and you can also email us, 90under90, at gmail.com with your questions or comments, and we'll on the air if you send them in to mid. That is it for us this week. I'm Jeremy Eden. I'm Dan Eden. I'm Kevin Kirchman. That's a wrap.
coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right?